this show is not for the easily offended. So if you are easily offended, go listen to something else. Network for more details. <coughs> you know what? I was hoping that I could get that all the way through, but I couldn't. For more details, please go to deliberatenoise.com. If you'd like some feedback, you can email me. My email address is there. That's the E-R-E-K at comicbooknoise.com. Or you can call the audio comment line at 734-331-0772. The reason that I say that number so fast is because I cannot remember it if I say it slow. And if I'm ever writing it down, I have to do the whole comic book noise intro until I get to that part because I yeah, I can't do it slow. Well, anyway, shut up. Um, <clears throat> if you'd like to um, help support the show, you can um, go to comicbooknoise.com on the right-hand side of the screen. Um, if you visit using a, uh, a computer instead of a phone, you'll see that you can, uh, help contribute by, um, contributing, uh, Alphonic Minutes, uh, PayPal, or Patreon. Um, our Patreon is at, uh, ooh, was it, uh, mm, slash Patreon, I believe, or Patreon, I can't Anyway, um, I don't have the list of patrons on me, but thank you one and all. Now, this is a really quick thing. I um, just dropped my daughter off at the uh, the airport. She's one of those people who, even in the age of COVID, she's like, hey, you know what? I've got stuff to do, so I'm going to another city to do it, I guess. I don't know. I try not to talk about it. I just say, hey, don't get me sick when I come pick you up. Anyway. Um... So this is really quick because I live near the airport, so um, I have to talk very, very quickly and talk about one subject. Now, one subject will be Bitter Root, which is, I believe, a uh, an image comic. I believe it's written by, um, oh, David Walker and somebody else. I cannot remember who it is, but I know the artwork is by Sanford Green. Um, I'm probably going to do, a, like, a little addendum to this section. Um... Or I give the entitled, the entitled, the entire uh, creative team um, their their props because um, I don't remember a lot of the details. I can't remember like the names of the characters, uh, but I, I do know basically what it's about. It's about a family. Uh, it's a black family who is fighting. Um, I want to say they're demons. They're not, if they're not exactly demons, and they're some sort of uh, supernatural being. And they, uh, this is set in, I believe, late 20s, maybe the 30s, the 1920s, 1930s, by the way. Um, and as I'm reading it, I was thinking about um, Lovecraft Country, which is 
a series on HBO because I was reading it and watching that show around the same time. And I remember thinking really that if you like one of these, then you'll like the other one. You know, I mean, if you like um, Love Cab Country, which is also about a, uh, a, a, <laughs> a black family that gets caught up in, uh, uh, supernatural things, um, but that was in 1955, that was in the mid-50s, this is a couple decades earlier, um, I want to say that, that Bitterroot happens, like, right after Tulsa, while, um, Lovecraft Country happens, like, I want to say maybe a decade or two after Tulsa, uh, no, a little bit more than that, um, but anyway, there, that's like a connecting thread between the two of them, as well as the Watchmen series, um, and it's funny because a lot of people prior to Watchmen didn't even know about Tulsa, when I say a lot of people, I mean, people of a certain, um, demographic, um, a lot of the rest of us knew about it, you know. We didn't know any details, so every time we see depictions of Tulsa, it sort of drives it home again. Um, but anyway, 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 this is uh, something that if you like Bitter Rule, then I think that you'll like. Um, if you like Lovecraft Country, I think you'll also like Bitter Root. Um, it's it's like a, a family, um, like I said, who. They, they pretty much have it down packed and this has gone from um, generation to generation of them fighting these uh, monsters, you know. In fact, the the old lady, um, mama or grandma, something, I can't remember. She's the one who's, um, she's, in, she's the matriarch of the whole family, so she's the one that's in charge. And apparently all the, you know, they usually send the boys out to do the fighting and that doesn't sit really well with her granddaughter who's like, look, I know how to fight too. I want to go out and fight. And she's like, no, no, you, you stay here and you help me with this, right? Which has got to be sort of grating when, you know, somebody has a leash on you and you just want to break off the leash. Um, but that's how I thought in the beginning of the story. By the time I got to the end, Oh, God, it reminded me of a television show that was on Sci-Fi starring uh, Mario Van Peebles. And it was, once again, a black family, uh, generation after generation, was fighting um, against supernatural creatures. Um, I can't remember the name of it, though. Because it was, unfortunately, it had a very generic name. Um, I want to say something like, retaliation well you know what hold on okay all right i looked it up that's called superstition you know it's just like oh my god if they had been able to pick some sort of a different name for it then i think that that that, that i would have remembered it like I, I would remember bitter root okay i remember the name um lovecraft country um i, I superstition eh which is around the same time as Supernatural. Eh, 
both of them are like to me really really generic names and the only reason that you remember supernatural is because it ran for 10 years you know um superstition unfortunately only had one season but it was about uh like i said this family this black family generations go after um you know fight these supernatural beings you know and you i'm i do not think that david walker looked at this mario van peebles story and was like you know what i can do it better um however kind of did if, if he did uh, <laughs> take um inspiration from it i think he did it better because I hate to say this, but his characters seem a lot more real, you know, um, Mario Van Peebles did a great job with what he could do, but, um, in the beginning, it, it was like, he was on the show, and then they wrote him off for a few episodes, hoping that the rest of the cast could carry it, but, you know, they couldn't. And when he came back, there were all kinds of um, revelations about his character, which made me think, okay, you know what? This was really meant to be about him anyway, you know? Um, And I don't get that sense with Bitterroot. With Bitterroot, it's just like, okay, this is not written to be about one member of the family and everybody else. You know, this was meant to be written as a family piece. Um, all of the different cousins and grandmothers and uncles, they all seem real. And on top of that, and this is something that I'm almost positive had to be um, uh, uh, on purpose. But they're different complexions in the same family, which you know, happens when you're black in America, you know, you have different complexions in your family, um, and I know that a lot of, um, non-black people probably listen to this like, you know, what, what does it matter, you know, what do you mean, um, you know what I mean, if you don't know what I mean, um, the last comic book that I can remember where they went out of the way to not just use the same color palette <clears throat> was Zero, which was um, written by Christopher Priest and drawn by uh, Chris Cross, Christopher Williams. And so they, when they had the colors that they wanted, you know, you could tell the difference between the people, you know, but when the original colorist left and they got another one in, that person apparently did not care. He just used the same, you know, comic book black for all the characters. <sighs> but in addition to them, Sterling Green, when he when he drew them, he not only drew them um, so that they would look unique, but he also drew them so they look like family, you know, because that's one thing about uh, 
about comic book artists that, you know, most people, we, we try to ignore. It's that uh, a lot of the comic book artists, they use the same sort of faces for all their characters, whether they're related or not, you know. Um, oh, uh, Kurt Swan used to do that. Uh, John Byrne has been accused of doing that. Um, oh, there's this one guy. Crap, I can't remember his name now. But anyway, um, I'm home right now. But anyway, Stone Green would do that. They looked different enough so that, okay, you can tell that these are all different people but at the same time because you could also tell that they were family. I mean, it's really good writing. Uh, at least the, the first trade was very good. I don't know how it gets past that. I haven't picked any of those issues up yet. Um, but the artwork works, the story setting. And because and I don't know if this is because it was set in the past, but the color palette seems to you... It, it, when you're reading it, you're not shocked with, with all of a sudden, you know, there's these big color changes because I think most of the story takes place um at night like maybe even over the, the course of one night hmm, i have to reread that part i don't know but anyway um i like it i'll be back in a few minutes well a few minutes for me to tell you about the um the uh the names of the characters <laughs> as well as the uh the names of the uh creative team Okay, um, little explanation. First off, it was seconds for you, but it was not minutes for me, or even hours, <laughs> or weeks. It's been months since I recorded that. <clears throat> Sorry. Anyway, the family is known. I believe it's either the Sangarees or the Sangarais. I'm going with Sangarai. And the creative team was uh, David F. Walker, Chuck Brown, and Sanford Green are the creators, uh, Rico Renzi and Sanford Green are the color artists, the letterer is uh, Clayton Howells, and the editor is uh, Heather Antos. Um, I'm pretty sure I've read other stuff where she was the editor, so actually, she actually keeps things on track. Um... Uh, I don't think there's... They, I don't think there's an actual list of the names. Um, so I'm not going to try to go through all of them. However, if you pick up the... Um, the... Um, come on, what's the word? Uh, trade paperback. I'm holding it right in my hand, too, and I could not think of the word trade paperback. For volume one... Um, towards the end, they have a bunch of, uh, of, um, text pieces as well as, uh, art designs for some of the characters. Like, uh, Ma Etta, they have, um, pictures of her. And she looks like an old black woman. Love it. Uh, there's, uh, let's see. There's uh, oh god, what is that? What is it called in the back? 
Back matter. Thank you. There's a, um... There's an essay here by John Jennings. Now, John Jennings is the one who did the uh, novel adaptation of uh, Kindred by Octavia Butler. And I believe they might be even making a live-action version of Kindred, which, um, if you've never read the original book or if you've never read the trade paperback, you may want to check it out beforehand. Uh, Because I went into reading the trade paperback without ever reading the original story and i was just like blown away by some of the concepts in there it's a time travel story that i actually really enjoyed you know um let me see what other kind of back matter they have a bunch of alternate covers back here there's one that's um it's an issue one ebay variant by sanford green but it looks like um uh, Akira, the um, movie, the movie, yeah, the movie for that. Uh, there's a variant in here by uh, Dennis Cowan, uh, Ron Wilson, Burge Mangio, um, Manigo. Jeez, I'm talking about Mangio. Uh, Burge Manigo. He's like the big guy. If you've seen the cover. Um, there's a character design for him. I might be able to get all the character designs. Um, there's an essay by Dr. Kenitra Brooks. Um, I don't think she's ever done anything in comics. So, I'm going to move on. There's another one by John Jennings. Uh, Michael Cho does a variant cover. Ashley Woods, co-creator of Niobe, does one. Uh, there's a character design for Cullen. So I think I will be able to mention all of the names. Um, there's a... Um, <laughs> there's a uh, an essay by Regina N. Bradley. Excuse me, Dr. Regina N. Bradley. Um... <laughs> There's some fan art in here by, like, Ryan Oakley. Uh, um, let me see. Oh, Larry Stroman does a variant cover that's in here. I really love the fact that they do, that they put, when they, I love it when they put variant covers in trade paperbacks. I realize that that's just a pad, the, um, the page count, but not everybody has the time nor the inclination to go and try and find all of these different variant covers. But, you know, I still want to see them. You know, I mean, I'll never own the uh, the Larry Stroman variant of issue number three, but it looks really cool. You know, and I already have issue number three. I don't, you know, I'm, you know, know how I feel about variant covers. They're okay sometimes, but... They're like posters. Just, you know, give me a series of posters. Even though I have own, I don't have any posters up on my wall here. Huh, anyway. Uh, there's a... Um, essay. I keep forgetting words. Oh, my God. They're just going to have to put me on a, on a boat and just put me out on a, on a um, iceberg pretty soon. Uh, Dr. Kiana Witted 
she does a she has a book on EC Comics, Race, Shock, and Social Protest. And she's also the editor of Inks, the Journal of the Comics Studies Society. And she's also the chair of the International Comics Art Forum Comic Arts Forum. Okay, there's uh, Ford um, character designs. Kevin Nowlin does a uh, a variant cover, which looks really cool. Um, there's an essay by Stacy Robinson. Uh, that, uh, no, no comic book stuff on his resume. Uh, there's a character design for Blink. Um. There's a um, essay by uh, essay by Sian D. Quiet Smith, Ph.D. Um, And the reason that I keep seems like I'm uh, I'm I'm drifting off is because you know I'm, I'm flipping through the pages and I start reading some of these essays and I catch myself. Uh, there's a character design for Uncle E. And here there's uh, a Fool Richardson does a um, variant cover for issue number five. Um, and that's it. Now, one of the things that took me so long to get back to this is after I read it, um, I wanted to look something up. Um, and then I found out that the second volume of the trade paperback was out. So what I was going to do was just hold off and do them all together, you know, to, to talk about the whole story together. But then I was like, as long as it's taking me to read books and comics, um, this podcast might as well turn into a, uh, a, um, an annual one, one that comes, you know, puts out one episode a year. And that's just, that's just not right. Anyway, so that's, uh, that's Bitterroot. Volume one, family business. And uh, I can't get to volume two. And you know what's really irritating is my dogs were asleep until I started recording a podcast. And now all of a sudden they want to jump around and get in my face. Anyway, I can't find the other one. Uh, but that's okay. Um, yeah, that's okay. Ugh. Three days later. <sighs> well, thank you for listening to all this comic book. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> <sighs> A lot of comic book noise. Ugh. Oh, my God.